Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When I was a little kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 80s in Sydney, which is generally regarded as the wild west of law enforcement. A terrifying time to be a cop or a criminal or just to be in Sydney full stop. And I one day stumbled upon his case files and they absolutely ruined me. So years later, I approached dad and we went through his old case files together and it became a book, Loose Units. It's in stores right now, actually. And now we're doing a podcast about it. Loose Units, the podcast, is a weekly true crime podcast where I sit across from my dad, an ex-cop from the 80s, and we dive deep into the seedy underbelly of Sydney's policing. So we're doing this podcast down here in Collingwood every week at Castaway Studios together, and we hope you enjoy it. Time for another episode of Loose Units, the podcast. Uh, And just quickly, I wanted to give a bit of a shout out to uh, Derek. We... We've been recording in a uh, dictaphone in the same room that I wrote the book, Loose Units, and there was a certain rustic charm to that, but we got a message from Derek over at Castaway Studios in Collingwood, and he's like, hey, so um, I have uh, Michelle Laurie down to record her podcast occasionally. Michelle Laurie's amazing Australian true crime podcast, and um, would you like to come in and record uh, some of Loose Units here? So dad's flown to Melbourne for that very purpose and currently you're sitting across from me frantically taking notes. Dad, what if, I can't read that upside down. What have you just written? Look, I thought we could do uh, on this episode just chat about detectives. Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, so for those of you who've read the book and for those of you who've been listening to the podcast already, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, by the way, um, detectives come across much like the Goombas and the Mario Brothers movies, like these kind of lumbering, corrupt... Okay, first questions first. Detectives can't all have been bad, can they? No, 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 certainly not. Because you've never, you've literally never, and this is not a criticism, but you've never told me a story where detectives were the good guys, ever. And that could be partly because you weren't a detective, but like, what's your, is that an unfair appraisal, would you say? Look, um, I think I've mentioned to you before that basically in the the New South Wales Police Force, as it was then is that you've got sort of three specific groups within the within the police force. In the middle you've got general duties. Yeah. You know, which is your uniform police that just make up the bulk of the police force. Sure. And if we were looking at a blackboard mm-hmm. and I said to you that we have general duties police in the middle, then to the right of that would be detectives. Mm-hmm. And then to the left of that would be highway patrol. Yes. Traffic. Uh, and and all, and all in fairness, uh, really really important roles. 
you know, I was walking through King's Cross with my lovely wife, Christine, mm. funnily enough, your mum, yesterday. Sure. And we were chatting. We saw um, a guy walking around booking cars. And Christine said, oh, you know, that's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rough sort of, you know. But then I thought, you know, if we didn't have those people, people would just come in and park forever. So that's, uh, I guess, a plus. But and, and as an aside, and you know that I'm sort of, I won't say I'm the master of the of the aside, but the whole point of traffic police was originally to give jobs to return servicemen after World War Two. Was it? Did you know that? No, and I they didn't. used to call them brown bombers. Why? No idea. Okay. See, the trick with doling out trivia like that is to is to know where it. <laughs> Good point. Because brown bomber sounds rude, is what I'm saying. Oh, just, I see. You think you're like a bit of a, a turd sort of I thought uh, poo. metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. Anyway, uh, how do we get onto that? I was asking you about detectives. They yeah, can't all yeah. have been bad. So, look, when I joined the New South Wales Police Force, um, I'll never forget we were at the academy and an ex or serving member, but he'd gone up through the ranks, but he'd been in the homicide squad. Mm. And the homicide squad, I don't know whether it's the same in all police forces, but that would have to be the absolute pinnacle of policing. If you really, really want to go and get yourself involved in some absolutely amazing stuff. Homicide. Are these detectives? Detectives. Right. So so the different wings of detectives, I'm assuming there's vice. Uh, I don't know whether they have vice anymore, but they used to have what was called the 21 division. Sure. Which were, uh, and they were sort of, notoriously known well there was a group within that called Bex Raiders where they used to go out and you know uh, basically do all, all the heavy shit right. you know they were like the riot squad tactical response group everything rolled into one and you know they wore suits and, and they had and they were armed and you know they may have had shotguns in the back of the car and, wow. and they, 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 were, they were tough heavy guys and, they, and you know you've got consorting which no longer exists yep consorting means if you're a bikey for example mm. and you go to jail when you come out, one of the conditions of your bail may be that you're not allowed to consort or hang out with bikies. So you had this amazing squad called the Consorting Squad. <coughs> and by their nature, they used to hang out with crims. So that, and they'd hang out where crims were. So they'd hang out in sleazy bars in the cross and they'd sort of, you know, their whole job, and they used to get what were called bookings. So if you and I were bikies yeah. and we met up with each other for a drink, that was regarded as consorting with known criminals and that you'd get what was called a booking. And if you had so many bookings, they could arrest you. Right. Then so you had then you had the armed hold-up squad, pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Because armed hold-ups back in the day, to give you an example, back in the 1970s when you'd be driving along Obviously, I wasn't driving. I was a passenger in my mum and dad's car, but very observant from an early age, very visual person. Mm. You'd see headlines from newspapers and they'd be on billboards that, that were sort of in between wire and they were leaning up against telegraph poles yes. in, your, in your suburbs yeah. and they'd have a, um, like a headline. And the headline would read, armed hold up. How's that? I mean, in terms of... They were very violent, very bad, because banks in those days, everything was cash, no credit cards, and crims would go in with sawn-off shotguns. So what the crims would do, they'd go to Kmart or or the equivalent of Target, any of the big department stores. Yeah. And I've said this to you before, and I think it's in the book, where you'd go up to Warrywood to Target, and you'd buy a 
uh, shotgun mm. with all the cartridges. From a department store. From a department store. Yeah. Same as in America. And, I mean, that's what it was like in the 70s and 80s. Right. And then you'd take the gun home, mm. you'd go out into your garage, you'd put it in a vice, you'd get a shitty hacksaw, and you would saw off the barrels. And you'd cut down the stock, which is the bit that you hold into your arm. Yeah. And you'd, 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 you'd sort of hand carve the, the beautiful wooden section so that in the shape of it, like a kind of a handle. Yeah. And then you would be able to shove it down your pants yep. or have it in a coat. And you'd simply uh, hop into a stolen car with a few mates. You'd rock up to the local bank. And back in those days, you could jump the counter. So all the, w- during is that because it, people were more athletically inclined, or because the counter was shorter, or because there weren't <laughs> there weren't bars across? No bars. Oh, okay. And you'd have generally uh, women working behind the uh, the counters, right. and you'd sometimes give them a note yep. that would say words to the effect, "This is a stick up, hand over all your money." I mean, mm. it sounds as though it's when it sounds sort of nineteenth century America, Midwest. Yeah. But, you know, it's exactly the same. And it was sort of since Sydney was Frontierland, Sydney, Melbourne, there were there were notorious armed robbers. I'm getting a bit off track. So that was the armed hold up squad was created to investigate solely guys, mainly guys doing armed robbery stick ups. Yep, okay. And the money in that was involved was staggering. Just quickly, I'm gonna encourage that particular tangent of yours. Um did you ever um deal with armed hold ups in a way that would be intriguing for listeners did you ever i mean in the book there's a story where you and someone else rock up at me and mum we'll do that we can't i mean you're gonna have to read the book to find out about yeah, that one yeah. but um how many times did you get involved in uh in arm stickups? well here's the thing back in the day we would get on average um well look i was involved in a really 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 exciting um incredibly notorious armed robbery it was actually an armed robbery on an armoured van and I was working with a police officer that shall again remain nameless same one or no he was he was a he was what can I say I'm not going to describe him in great detail because it'll give it away but he was uh, he was lazy yeah and he was a bore okay he was everything I wasn't but he was a senior man and it looked as though he needed to have methamphetamines physically inserted into his rectal cavity to get him to even move. He was just fucked. And, but, you know, that was the, the problem in those days, working with uh, people that just didn't give a shit. And there was this major, major armed hold-up on an armoured van and one of the guys was shot, one of the, the armour guard guys. Yep. And this was a gang of between three and five guys and they were wearing that it was so well organized and they had an, an array of disguises and they were really really good operators so they imagine this you, you can imagine the surveillance that these guys have put in to to prepare themselves yeah like in the movies mm. the work that goes into it it would probably be a minimum of between say three and twelve months serious serious, minute surveillance, learning every single thing they can to the second. Now, these guys are heavily armed. And the armour guard, if if you have a look now, maybe it's a little bit different now, but back in those days, the armour guard guys were generally, you know, borderline retirees, overweight. You know, if they took more than two steps, they'd have a 
coronary. It's the Groundhog Day situation. It's just a stooped old man, basically. You know, it's right. just and and I and I used to think, and there were no sort of there was no high tech surveillance. Mm. You know, we didn't have uh, you know there generally wouldn't be a helicopter in the air yeah. in the early uh, early eighties, mm-hmm. and. They organised this robbery in DY, and I'll never forget, we just started on the afternoon, it was a Friday Arvo, and it came across as uh, as an armed robbery of an armoured van. Mm. One of the guys had been shot. I'm not sure whether he died. Now, the thing is, everyone starts heading towards the crime scene. What do you mean everyone? You mean Within, members of the public, or are you just talking about No, cops? police, police. So if you can imagine, we were at North Sydney... And I was really excited. Yeah. And uh, hang on, you're okay. So you're in North Sydney. Yeah. You get a call about an armored van in DY, up in DY, which is a, a good 15 kilometers away. That's irrelevant because okay. it's a major, major crime. Sure. Shots fired. Yep. It's 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 on. But surely by the time shots have been fired, they're gone, right? Well, the thing is, what happens is, and I'll just sort of paint a bit of a picture because this is what happened in this particular case. But yeah. then you begin to realise that this is fairly common. They use stolen cars. They use pretty fast cars. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, they may have used maybe a five-litre Falcon, a Commodore, and then later on, they would have been using, in Ram raids, they use um, Subarus, you know, the uh, super, super fast cars, yeah. and generally that can outgun the police. So what these guys do, they commit the crime and they drive somewhere. Generally speaking, it'll be an underground car park uh-huh. where they've got the second car waiting with a completely different and new and amazing set of full disguises we're talking wigs clothing moustaches do they have a make have a hair and makeup person on on standby okay (laughs) you know some lady sitting there shitting her pants sure full yeah great and uh so by the time the police start coming in the chances are they're possibly in their third different car and maybe wearing their third moustache of the day. Moustache of the day. Wigs flying. Wigs. <laughs> you know, they're trying to apply lipstick yeah. in a high speed situation. That's such a bastard. So they yeah. end up getting yep. lipstick all over their face. Yeah. Uh, and, and it bleeds through with their facial hair. Yeah. You need to bring someone from Revlon with you to the crime scene to kind of like trace the. the, the... <laughs> Paul, I've always known that you were an ideas person, but on this occasion. Okay. No. All right. Um, so, but we, we were hot-footing it. So, what I always used to look out for when going into a scene was yeah. looking for people leaving because that's obviously, they're heading away. Mm. But on, we, ne- we, ne- we didn't catch them. But, but many, many, many years later, yeah. maybe 20 years later, they caught them. Isn't that amazing? Because um, I read about it and I just thought, wow, that's a long time to, to get away with, uh, with, with something like that. So, so, when you got to the... To the crime scene. Yep. Can you describe the arrival? Were you what the tenth person on site? Like probably what? the thirtieth car okay. to get there. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's a shit fight. Where was it in exactly. DY? Where exactly on um, Pitwater Road opposite the library? I and know that. I know that. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, there's a big Indian sort of bazaar there now, and uh, yeah. yeah, this poor guy had been blasted with a shotgun, uh, with a sawn-off shotgun. Yeah. So with a sawn-off shotgun, they're really, really dangerous. Cause, so if you're up close when they shoot you you know the object of a a shotgun is that they don't miss the further you are away from a shotgun the better you're going to be and that the spread will yeah and you'll get less pellets inside you yeah but if you're up nice and close it'll 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 blow your head off and what what happened to this guy well he was shot and i i'm not sure if he died where was he shot 
in the stomach. Oh, God. Yeah, pretty bad. So you got there, surrounded by cops. They'd gotten away. They'd, got, they'd gone. How much had they gotten, out of curiosity? Uh, they never, ever disclosed that. How would you get, we'd guess? I would say in the hundreds of thousands. So you plan a heist. I'm just trying to figure out the time to, like the cost benefit analysis of planning a heist, for lack of a better term, for like 12 months, right? Mm. Then you pull it. And then you can't presumably just go back to work wherever you, you, you have to hide, right? Like, what do you do after that? Look, as it turned out, yeah. these guys were all professional businessmen. Get out. How's that? The, and I think it was their first offence and their last. When you say businessmen? Uh, you know, local, you know, um, owners of owners of well-known businesses. Why pull a job like that, though? Uh, adrenaline, money, thrill, challenge. Because there was a story... There was a story a couple of years back. Some guys base jumped off the bar at the top of the casino in Melbourne, I think. And uh, there was some uh, rumors that it was actually like viral marketing for the bar. So, this, so rather than like, oh my God, two people have jumped off the building and look, you know what I mean? Rather, it's the, basically what they'd done is apparently they'd, they'd potentially hired these people to do it. So that it would draw attention to the bar. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, because it's a rooftop bar and you're like, people jumped off here last week. Mm, glug, glug, glug. Amazing, right? amazing. So, okay. I, look, I, I just, I wanted to kind of delve into that a little bit because I, I don't think... Do you think the, those kind of crimes happen less nowadays? I, I think definitely. Okay. Yep. So, so without a doubt. Uh, the crime now is, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a different world, right. different world. But armed holdups, you know, banks, you go to a credit union or any bank, mm. you know, you can't put your hand. They've got these these shutters, the, the covers that come up really quickly. Yeah. But not only that, you have you ever gone into a bank and asked for, say, maybe $5,000? No. Not, not, not like a, a major bank, but I'm with a credit union on the Northern Beaches still. And I went in a few weeks ago to get a, a decent sum. And it took about five minutes for the safe to open. Right. So it's all, you know, yeah. It's all designed to slow everything down. Um and and of course with with credit cards now there's far less cash being kept on on premises. Well yeah, cuz I literally wave my phone over the paper. I saw you do it. Like amazing. A, like a terrible ca- yeah. capitalist magician, you know. Anyway, oh shit, that was quite the tangent. Detectives Mm. We were talking about detectives. Do you remember where we were up to? <clears throat> yeah, we hadn't even started, really. Oh, Jesus. All right. <clears throat> well, we I wanted to talk about detectives because yeah. I, from an early, uh, from early on in my career in the police force... Okay, so back to the academy. This uh, ex-homicide uh, detective came in. He was a very sort of distinguished-looking you know, gentleman. And what he did was he read a... Um, a page from a statement that he hadn't seen sure. that our instructor gave him. He read it once and then he recited fairly well word perfect the entire statement That's cool from know. one read. An eidetic memory. Okay. And what happened was he, I'll never forget this, he told us this amazing story that he was once in court, in the Supreme Court, in a major murder investigation. His statement was so long that he had a friend up the back of the court that would nod... Every time it was his turn, it was a signal for him to turn the page in his mind. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. How good's that? So that's the sort of... I okay. mean, detectives that go into the Homicide Squad yeah. are, are amazing people. They're smart. Um, they're, they're clever. Mm. They're intuitive. They're fastidious when it comes to details. They leave no stone unturned. Okay. Because, you know, seemingly in the most banal of, of, of investigations, where in the, in the most banal detail, sometimes you can find something that is extraordinary and you know it's it's based on 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 many many things so i thought to myself wow and I, that was kind of my the holy grail yeah uh plus as you know i'd had a relative that was um in charge of the uh the fraud squad might i say that i had zero interest in fraud which is weird because now i look at it and think wow that's really exciting because fraud is a really big thing internationally yeah. maybe and cyber crime and that's it's exciting but i thought fraud basically meant sort of like a uh, an accounting detective because I just I wasn't interested in that sort right. of stuff. Right. It, uh, it would be remiss of me to point out that uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know I had a relative in the fraud squad. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, he ran the fraud squad. What? He was in charge. When? Well, there's, I've got a book at home that he did a dedication for me. What? Yeah, he invited... Haven't, haven't I told you the no. story? No. you sure? G- no. No, you're not sure? No, I, d- I am sure. But I'm saying that... Would you like me to tell you a bit about it? Well, I don't know. Is it... I mean, he... It, it, he um, was Detective Chief Superintendent Blip Blip. Blip Blip? That's a strange name. Where yep. is he from the, the New Hampshire Blip Blips? He, he was a very successful person. <laughs> so when, when was this? Well, when I joined the police force, he called me into the Remington building, right. which is in uh, Liverpool Street, where all the squads were. Yeah. Each squad was on a different floor. Uh-huh. And these were like... It was like basically going to the Vatican to have an audience with the Pope. Mm. Uh, these these squads, as they were known, were you, you you couldn't get into these. I mean, it was all high security, keyed sort of swipe access, which is pretty amazing back then. Yeah. And I walked in. He he. I got into the. the I was in uniform. Mm. I just joined, I, and I was you know skinny and wearing an ill-fitting oversized uh, police uniform. Mm-hmm. And there would have been fifty detectives sitting in this particular, uh, well, that squad, the fraud, New South Wales fraud squad. Yeah. 
and he obviously had his own special office with views that, to die for over Sydney. And he came and shook my hand, and everyone was kind of looking at me, thinking, "Who the fuck's this idiot jerk? You know, uniform hmm. baby." Hmm. And uh, and and he was very warm and kind, and he we went into his office. He shut the door, yep. and he sat me down, and he gave me a uh, a bit of a rundown on how to behave yeah. and what to do. And he uh, he said to me, John, he said um, uh, a word of advice. He said, if ever you go out, go out in a big way. What does that mean? It means if you're going to take a quid, make sure it's worth your while. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Is that endorsing taking money? <laughs> you, you can take it how you like it. I d- okay. This is significant for me because you didn't tell me this at any point during the writing of the book. Right. So I need to clear up a few things and we'll yep. do it on air. Well, the thing is, Paul, firstly, that I've got so many stories in my rattling around in my brain. I know you do. An, an unbelievable I number. I know you do. And sometimes it takes me to sit opposite you in yeah. an interview situation too. And that's why I really love doing it because you tease things out of me. Mm. And uh, I cannot be expected to remember everything, even though I've got this amazing book. And he did a dedication in copper plate writing mm. with the most incredible fountain pen and I've still got the book. But what I'm trying to figure out is... Because uh, you told me that the family weren't super, super keen on they you. They were really, becoming... really pissed off. So why would they be pissed off? Well, this particular guy came out of the woodwork and was not was never discussed. Distant relative? Yeah, distant, but All right. he's a relative. Did, w- do you think him? Do you think he had a hand in helping you get into the academy not at all? Not a chance. How, how often did you interact with him during your time at the, on the police? Never. Never? No. And he but got- he was just there. All right. I mean, you know, was he there behind the scenes? He had serious clout. Okay. But, you know, I, I didn't... If he helped me, I didn't know about I it. I just feel like this is there's, there's just so much beneath the surface of this. This is very intriguing. It's like finding... It's like... It, it's not a plot twist quite, but it's very interesting. Mm. Okay, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that another time. Mm. So, detectives... I would like to hear a story from you about a time you had a positive interaction with a detective. I'm really battling to find one. <laughs> oh my gosh! Seriously, because you wanted to be a detective, right? I'll give you a little. Uh, I'll give you a little look. Uh, most of my encounters with the detectives were not great. Okay, unless they wanted something, right? Uh, you know, because they they were pretty sneaky, yeah. pretty cunning. I mean, I mean, on the afternoon shift, and I think I've mentioned this to you that the only thing you'd get from the detectives was uh, a phone number. What do you mean? That's all they'd give you. For what? Ca- well, I'm about to tell you. Okay. They would uh, come down on the afternoon shift, and because uh, most detectives work office hours, right? And at North Sydney, they were up up the street in another building mm. that's still there, and. Uh, you know, they were kind of, it's an us and them thing. And they really believed, I mean, geographically at North Sydney, yeah. they were actually higher than we were. Yes, of course. Because it was up the road. Yeah. And that road goes uphill. Mm-hmm. So there's that weird... Altitude, yeah. Altitude thing. And I know it sounds pretty wacky. No, but, it's very primal. It's, you know, on, it's sort on, of, on like a lizard brain level, you've got the you know, higher ground. Yeah. You know, I get and it. you had to walk up a hill to go in. And, and to walk into the detective's office as a uniformed police officer was harrowing right. because... The detective in charge of the detectives at North Sydney mm. back then was a hard man. And say- he had a nickname, which I'm not going to repeat. Okay. Uh, Can on, you on air. mime it? No way. You want to do some charades? I'll write it down for you. And let me read it. Okay, great. Okay. okay. I'm writing it here. That's some big handwriting. Let's there you see. Go. Here we go. 
Oh, that's oh, that'd be a good title for a movie. That's great. This is terrible broadcasting, but it's very that, fun for me. And does that speak volumes? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, actually, I will tell you a little story about. I'll tell you something that's for me was quite profound. Okay. There used to be a notorious uh, person in Sydney that I don't know if he's still alive, mm-hmm. but his name is Rick Damalian. I'm not going to say too much about that. Suffice to say that he had a very successful car yard on Parramatta Road. Okay. I don't know what the equivalent in is in all the capital cities in Australia is, but you've you kind of got like an auto alley, shall we call it? Sure. Where you've got all the big car dealers. Now, it was uh, on Parramatta Road just past Sydney University and it was on both sides of the road and he dealt with the best cars in the world. Yeah. So we're talking rollers, Daimlers, Bentleys, Aston Martins, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens. Mm. The absolute best cars you can buy in the world. Yeah. And it was called Rick Damalian Car Yard. Yeah. Or, or words to that effect. Okay. Why am I mentioning that? Good question. Yeah, it is a good question. Because when I went up to the detective's office, now this is a classic, and I don't know whether I'm actually the only police officer who worked in Sydney that actually noticed the things I talk about. I don't know whether all my colleagues in uniform were, quite frankly, fucking oblivious to things that were so obvious to me. I used to go, is this for fucking real? Or they were heading up when you weren't and asking the same questions, but you no, guys were never... No, no, because it was never discussed. I mean, I'd talk about it. I'd go, "Is what's wrong with this picture? So here's the picture. Yep. Monday to Friday, detectives working, office boring, wearing suits, white shirts, ties, austere, not particularly happy. Mm. Funnily enough, there was only one woman, one female detective at North Sydney. And uh, I say that because things have obviously changed incredibly. So I remember going up on a Sunday. Now, here's the rub. There was this particularly annoying uniformed police officer uh, I never liked the guy, but that's not that relevant. But he was a smarmy fuckwit. <laughs> and uh, and the good thing is I can say that because I'm talking about someone specific, but no one really needs to know sure. who he is or was. Yep. And he was promoted from uniform to what was called A-list. Now, A-list was sort of a detective in training mm. prior to going into what was called the bull ring, which is sort of a sacred almost... Uh, mythological kind of uh, Masonic ritual where you'd sit on a chair and you'd have all these incredibly senior detectives around you and they'd just bombard you with questions about the Crimes Act and what you do in this and that was really heavy and there was a lot of, it was hard yakka and and it was a real achievement to go through the bullring and become a designated detective. Right. But in A-list training, you were just kind of up there you know, bouncing around, kind of just getting a feel for it, you know, pretty naive and this... Uh, I'll never forget this. It was uh, one of those great moments where this particular police officer who'd been working with us for some time, Mm. he gets promoted to A-list. Get ready for this, listeners. It's a Sunday morning. He calls down to the station and he asks if one of the uniform guys can come up and wash his car. Oh, yeah. He made the call. So he's an A-list fucker. He calls down to the station where the real workers were yeah. and he gets he thinks he can ask a uniform guy 
to come up and wash his car? Well, needless to say, that was sorted fairly quickly once the station sergeant found out that this prick had made that call. Can you imagine the audacity? Yeah. Anyway, so, but as an aside, we go back to me going up to the detective's office and I remember looking through the the array, the, the mass of desks and chairs and out the back was a side street and I'll never forget looking at this group of cars and we're talking serious motor cars, mm. hence my reference to Rick Damalian. Yes. And they're all the prestige cars that you can imagine. And guess what? What are they doing there? I don't know. They belong to the detectives. And in my puny little mind, in that microsecond of time, I thought, how the fuck can these guys afford right. to buy these Aston cars that are the equivalent to, mm, let me see, 10 years wage? Sure. So, yeah, that was that was kind of one of the really glaringly obvious things that I would see from time to time. Mm. But you'd only ever get to see these cars on weekends. Right. Because they'd come in and those detectives that were working weekends felt that, you know, it was a fairly anonymous back street to park their, their joyous vehicles. I mean, it's sure, it's, it is possible that they'd all simultaneously won the Opera House lottery, as it was back then. Uh, but I don't think so. So did you ever pursue this with anyone? Or was... Are you serious? I mean, in just like privately. Mate, I would never discuss anything. Okay. You can't afford to draw the crabs. And these things were, were known but never discussed. Mm. It's a little bit like, it's kind of like a, a creepy relative that, <laughs> and we, by the way, for the record, we don't have any creepy relatives. Well, but, I don't know. Oh, but anyway, <laughs> but, but imagine if there's a, there's a relative or a family friend that is just doing something that's not cool. And, yeah. every, and then years later, that person gets arrested and everyone goes, oh, we all knew that he was a f- whatever. I see. Well, why didn't anyone say anything? Because people don't. I see. So, okay. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's okay. So, this is fairly pertinent. You've been talking about people in positions of power. Um, I mean, one of the things I have worried about occasionally were the ramifications of talking about these people. And uh, as listeners will now know, at the end of every episode, we go to the mailbag uh, and we grab a question from a listener. Um, And this week's question is actually really on topic. Um, This is from Kim. Kim asks... Have there been any repercussions due to the stories and book and podcast? Dad, your dad is pretty honest in his storytelling. I was wondering if he's pissed off anyone slash a few ex-cops because of it. <clears throat> Kim, can I commend you on that magnificent and pertinent question? Well, she can't reply, but I'm sure she's nodding for, like viciously. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kim, hear me out. Are you ready for this? I have not had one negative call, inquiry, phone call, anything. However, yeah. conversely, mm. I have, I'm not going to say inundated, but I have had some incredible, amazing, absolutely heartwarming phone calls, messages, mm. and I got to hook up face-to-face with two of the most senior current serving police officers in the New South Wales Police Force. I hooked up with them a few weeks ago. I'm not going to say uh, who they are, uh, but I'm going to say they're right at the top of the tree. Did they and enjoy the... They loved it. Right. And the thing that really excited them, because I was fairly... I say I, well, Paul, you and I have been fairly mm. uh, discreet. Yeah. Um, I changed... Yes, names have been changed. Yeah. And, like and these two particular people yeah. that met up with me that are... Oh, look, I'd love to tell you how... You know, look, they're, they're, they're right at the 
you know, they're, they're the big end of town. Sure. And they both said to me, they were just dying to find out who certain people were. Oh, great. And it was so exciting. And then, and then what happened over a long, long afternoon tea yeah. was they began to tell me stories. And it was so heavy because I was told one story about someone very, uh, very prominent in, in your first book. Sure. And uh, one of the officers told me a story about this particular person that I didn't know that was fucking horrendous. For readers of the book, which character are we talking about? I'd pref- I'd, do you know? It can't go there. Okay. Too heavy. Okay. But it's just, it just let me say that it, it, it left me shattered. Would you say that there was a certain degree of... Because I know that there were certain points during the writing process where you said should we talk about this? And I was the one who often pushed you. Uh, Penguin obviously have a very robust legal department and they, like, just to be clear, they vetted everything to within an inch of its life. We changed locations, names, not all the time, but a lot of the time if there was... And there are also people that the book paints in a very positive light that we changed the names of. Like, we weren't just picking and choosing. This was a really careful process. But when you talk to these police officers... um, did you get the impression that they thought you'd portrayed things and that we'd, you know, talked about things respectfully or like had we gone too hard on people or no. too soft? No, so they actually felt in some cases we were, were too kind okay. to some of the protagonists. Yeah. And by that I mean fellow police officers. Yeah, because there were a lot of times in the book where there were characters that you were... <laughs> people that you were partnered with or dealing with and... I tried to get you to tell me things in chronological order. So quite often I would write about them from the perspective of someone who didn't know what they would turn out like, right? So maybe maybe that's why certain characters are talked about positively when in fact they turned out to be trash later on. It's mm. because at the time they seemed decent enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, were yeah. any of the people that you met up with people that were in the... Have you met, okay, have you met up with anybody in the, that was talked about in the book yet? As in, uh, have you interacted with any of the officers that you interact with in the book and have you talked to them about how they feel about being portrayed in no, the book? No, no. Because I'm dying. I'm dying to hear some of those stories. Well, I think it's fairly cryptic. In fact, uh, some of the... And, and look, I've, I've got a, a guy that was in my class at the yeah. academy and he's, he's an academic at, uh, at a certain university sure. in Australia and he contacted me, an amazing guy, and he comes from a hard police family. Mm. We're talking generational. Yeah. And he's he's an amazing amazing guy, and I'm I'm really really fond of him. And he he was almost he, look he 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 was grateful that someone. I mean, I often think, am I the only person that really? I just have such a vivid recollection, mm. and to me, these are stories, and there are so many of them. Bearing in mind, Paul, we haven't actually scratched the surface. I know. I know because I mean, obviously, after after general I mean, duties, you went to forensics. Well, I mean, I was in the I was training to be an observer in the uh, in the air wing, which we'll save for another another story. But. Actually, I I'd like to talk about the air wing stuff, but why don't we save that for next week? Great. great. So, if listeners tune in next week, you get to hear about Dad in the air wing, a thing that I didn't even know existed until recently. Um, so, I think that I mean, I hope Kim, I hope we answered your question more or less. The long story short is that you know there haven't been any bad repercussions or good repercussions. Only good ones. Only good ones. And there haven't been any, you know, um, I mean, honestly, we're pretty early into this adventure. So, But I guess, Kim, um, I was interviewed on Channel 10 um, maybe two months ago. Studio 10. We Studio were both 10. on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paul and I, and it was live. Mm. And they, they, they were hunting. They, they, they wanted me to, to spill my guts on a particular thing. And, and I just, you know, I don't, 
I don't want to. I don't need to. I I value my life. <laughs> Obviously, there are things I could say here and now. I, I could say things here and now, and it'd be on the front page of the papers tomorrow, and I'd be fucked. Yeah. I'm not silly. I, yeah. I like my family, and there's no. It's not necessarily there's no point in i mean a lot of police out there from all over the world quite frankly have got stories that could you know make it into time magazine but you know you need to let's just keep things you know let's just go softly softly for now yeah yeah um thank you so much kim for the question thank you so much to all of you for listening um we love doing this show loose units is a real joy so thanks for listening to another episode of loose units the podcast don't forget to head across to facebook.com forward slash loose units where we store all kinds of stuff we ask questions and we post trailers and we interact with uh, with with fans um and don't forget to head across to itunes uh the best thing you can do to show your love for this show is to tell your friends about it get on social media just tell people to listen to Loose Units leave us a rating and a review on iTunes if you can That's and thank you so much for all the kind words so far um, and if you haven't already picked up a copy grab a copy of Loose Units the book we will see you next week for some stories from the air wing in another episode of Loose Units bye <laughs>